This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, afternoon and evening. Welcome to episode 240 of the Stacey West podcast. I am your host, Gary, and I am joined today by Mr. Charlie Beeston. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you uh, doing after what sounded like a bit of a rough late night? Yes, it was. Yeah, I wasn't going to talk about that because it puts paints me in quite a weak picture. But um, seeing as you brought it up, I can't really get away from it. So, yes, it was. You, you said on Twitter late. that your writer would be a bit late because you uh, overdid it last night. That's all I was referencing. Yeah, but you know that in our group chat, I have discussed um, <laughs> being ill uh, by. Actually, I think I put it in my article as well. So to be fair, I can't really get away from it. The thing is, it wasn't even that late. Um, all that happened at quarter to ten. It wasn't like I was sitting there at one in the morning or anything like that. So, yeah, it was. I was fine. So, I, my my friend, um, a guy called Ross Bond, is a kind of a local. Um, he's got some houses and he runs a letting agency. Him and his, his wife Tara, longtime friends of mine, and they had a charity event in a barn at the side of their house on the West Common. Uh, it's like a band's night, and they did it for mm. a couple of charities. Um, so it's great event so I went up there and I'd had my full English in the morning and then I'd had a couple of pints before the game because I wasn't driving home and then I didn't eat anything stupidly enough I would my intent to kind of do that so um dad dad drove me up there I didn't eat and I was just stood talking fine to a, a, another friend of mine a guy called Tim Hall a drummer a great great guy and then all of a sudden I was just like oh my god and then I can't really remember anything like that but oddly Tim was the same and he he hadn't been drinking all day, so I'm going with spiked um, personally. Yeah, I'm yeah, 100%. sure that's not actually what happened at all because, yeah, yeah, but it makes you look better. Um, so I might look better, yeah, yeah, it does, but it also, yeah, it's not true, so <laughs> that's the issue. Um, so also, I just want to talk very briefly about um, a momentous occasion that happened on episode 239 of the Stacey West podcast, which uh, nobody will be aware of, but they are about to be. Uh, my dad listened. Now, <laughs> my dad never listens to the podcast. We go to the games with each other, all that sort of stuff. He never, ever listens to the podcast. 
and we were just sitting in Gwyn's, um, and it was sadly Bob uh, Bob's uh, last last day in Gwyn's, which was a real shame. He's the landlord, but anyway, me and Dad were sitting in Gwyn's, uh, and he said, "Look, Chris goes on about his dinner all the time, doesn't he?" And I went, "How do you mean?" And he said, "I was listening to your podcast. He was talking about his bloody chicken nuggets." And I was like, you listen to the podcast, Dad? And he went, yeah, I listened to it 15 minutes. He said, it's just you rambling on about football. I get that all day on a bloody Saturday. I don't know why I wanted to listen to it in my spare time as well. And I don't know if that's, I should wear that as a badge of honour or not. I don't know if I should think great because Dad listened to it or not great because after 15 minutes he turned it off. I'd, I'd take it as a so, compliment that he actually listened. Yeah. And uh, another thing, we're loading up on stuff that happened before the game because when we get to talk about the game, there's really only a, a, a little bit to talk about. Um, whoever it was who came up to me before the game with a Roman coin to bury in the garden so that Fee could find it, it was the most phenomenal gift I think I could ever have because it's not just a gift of a coin. So just to go back anyway, people who listened to the pod a few weeks ago are really talking about the map detector. And she was going to go out in the garden, and I was said I might bury things in the garden. I think it was last time you were me and you recorded together. It wasn't was, it? and so before the game yesterday, somebody the, the the beer that I'd had, I don't think I caught his name, and he said, "Here's a Roman coin for you to bury in the garden." And that's not just a gift of a coin; that's a gift of pleasure. The fee, and that, that, do you know what? That was actually one of those moments that it was incredibly touching. And it, do you know what I mean? It was just like, wow, somebody's mm. gone out of their way to open this up and, and now you bury it in your garden and it will make your, your wife happy. So whoever that was, thank you for that. I really, really appreciate it. It was a it was a nice gift. Yeah, that was a very, very selfless act from... Um, I'm not going to pretend like I'm, I'm aware of the, the Gen 2 uh, cable to hand it to you. But yes, that was, that was a really, really nice little moment. And that's kind of what that fan zone's about, isn't it? It's constantly people coming up and talking to you and a lot of people from from kind of doing this a lot of people I just simply don't know now just come up and start talking football to me and um, most most of the time it's all well received well I think Chris Chris was telling me he got spotted somewhere for the first time the other day as well and it, it you know what it's yeah. a nice feeling it is because you know yeah. three or four people came up to the in the fan zone and I always feel I don't know it's quite humbling it's quite humbling mm. and it's nice to know that people do actually listen to us talking about football, unlike my dad. <laughs> well, I want to listen to that for. Um, he's probably listening to this now because I did say, well, if you listened a lot, Dad, you'd, you'd, you'd get, you'd find out, you know, you'd find out more about yourself because I talk about you all the time on it. So, <laughs> should we talk it's about a... football, Charlie? Actually, yeah, we won yesterday, so I'm happy to. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because <laughs> It, it was a com the complete opposite occasion to West Ham. Mm. And if I'm honest, the entire day for me felt a little bit like FA Cup first round because poor attendance, mm. because it was a poor attendance, 7,200 with 118 away fans, not great. Um, a team who really looked like they come from the league below with the greatest respect. I know that doesn't sound like the greatest of respect, but it is. Um, so it looked like they'd come from the league below, just a miserable um, a miserable afternoon. And it, it was one that I think many of us thought was going to be a banana skin, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a lot of pessimism, actually, when I was kind of talking to people in the fan zone and in other situations before the game. Um, a lot of people sort of saying, oh, it'll be just our luck now, we're going to get battered 4-0 and they'll score all, all the first goals of their season and all of this. Obviously, 
as we now know, that didn't happen. But yeah, it was very kind of worrying. I wasn't ever too pessimistic. I was always kind of hopeful and in a way kind of expectant of a win. And it's weird because we've spoken a lot recently about the fact that this month results haven't necessarily come in away at Portsmouth, um, particularly away at Bristol Rovers, obviously at home to Carlisle. The results weren't coming in, but the performances were. We were still playing well, even though we weren't picking up wins. And I thought yesterday was the perfect opportunity to show that we can still get the results with these positive performances. I think it's interesting that you pick up on us playing well against, let's say, Bristol Rovers and Carlisle when we still we still have the fewest touches in the box, I think, of any mm. team in League Two, even though we've you know, we've scored nine home goals in three games. So it's strange what playing well actually looks like. And I think some people get a little confused. They think, well, Cheltenham are coming. They haven't scored. They're bottom of the league. They've got one point. We should be tearing them apart. Whereas actually playing well, the Lincoln City way at the moment, it's playing effectively. It's playing methodically. It's being very well organised. But it's not necessarily always the free-flowing attacking football. We, there's some lovely moves, by the way, um, that, that we pull off in those games. And we play some nice football, but it's very... Um, patient. I think it's very, it's, it's a slow build up. For some people, I think that that can be difficult um, to, to identify with. Some people can will look at it and go, well, we don't do this enough. We don't do that enough. But football's mm -hmm. a, uh, an outcomes business. And we're, we're, we're putting the right um, things into the game to get the outcome. Now, I think had yesterday's game gone 20, 30 minutes without a scoring, I think it would have been really, really easy for the fans to turn. Whereas in actual fact, five minutes in and I, it felt to me like we carved them open with absolute ease and what I really like about both of our goals yesterday and we'll, we'll go through each one is that there was a, a second assist and an assist so it was an actual mm. move from open play that resulted in the goal and we had issues with that um, at times last season scoring from open play we had issues with it under Michael Appleton when you know, we really struggled to create anything that wasn't from a set piece so the opening goal Simple as anything, Rowan to Bishop. But Bishop's ball across to Lass was superb. Lass, you know, all that space he had. I mean, honestly, it was like walking into Ibiza in winter, wasn't it? There was, it was, there was nothing. It was nothing at all. Uh, and, a, and a great finish. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a really smart finish by Sorensen. He, he, he had the opportunity. He had all the space in the world. But then to actually be able to tuck that into the net is exactly what you want from somebody who finds himself in that position. And that's exactly what Sorensen did. And again, the ball from Rowan, absolutely fantastic. For me, it was the, it was the touch and the pass from Bishop that, that effectively made that goal what it was. Me and Chris on the monthly show that is out now on YouTube, by the way, make sure to go check it out. Um, the, the, we, we spoke a lot and praised Ethan Hamilton a lot for being able to scan whenever he gets the ball, know exactly where everybody else on the pitch is, to be able to have the calmness in tight situations and play the ball into the exact right person at every opportunity. And it's something that we talk about our midfield being able to do a lot recently. And that's exactly what Bishop did yesterday. He took his touchdown. He didn't need to, to sort of look up and take a few seconds to, to decide where he was playing that ball. He knew as soon as he received that ball from Rowan and he had it under control, that Sorensen was where he was and was in the perfect position. Um, so for me, that was Bishop deserves probably the most praise out of that. Yeah, so he's saying a great assist. And that, do you know what? Mm -hmm. I think some sometimes there is as much beauty in the assist as there is in the finish. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think 
I think in that moment, I mean, the, the, the Rowan ball is standard. We see Rowan knocking that ball into the channel five, ten times a game, and he's really good at it. Um, but it's how you deal with it when it gets there. I think a decent defence probably clear it because it was a square ball straight across the front of the area. From a from a manager's point of view, and I know they don't have one, um, or they do now, but Daryl Clark sitting watching on must just be looking at that thinking, I've got to do something about that because that ball was too easy. And I get the, the space. I mean... Lass had the the left back's pants down for the first twenty minutes, and do you know what? I, I, a word on Lass, and it's you know it's it's obvious to say this I think at the minute, but the growth or the the regeneration of Lass Sorensen from MK Dons at home, which I think was February this year, was when he first went to right wing back. So we're talking what seven months, eight months maybe. I mean, it's been utterly phenomenal, and he looks to me now to be every inch a player capable of going on and playing potentially as a championship right back or a right yeah. wing back rather rather than the right back. Well, he, if you believe any of the rumours, he was supposedly linked with championship moves and championships are supposed, championship clubs are supposedly looking at him. And it doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, we, you know, me and Chris had the opportunity to go up and listen to a speech by Jez George, a presentation a, few, a couple of weeks back. And one thing that was actually spoken about, and I, you know, I know that it's fine to mention this, one thing that was actually spoken about was Lars Sorensen. And it was just kind of a, a little informal conversation regarding the fans. And he said, do you know what? The rejuvenation of sort of Lars Sorensen to being one of Lincoln's best players now isn't just the move to right wing back. It's actually the fans sort of lo loving him and taking him under their wing. And that's he said that it's the chanting of Lars Sorensen's name constantly. It gives him such a confidence boost, such an energy boost that makes him better. And I think that's the thing. He, you just know whenever you watch him play, whenever you listen to his interviews, he loves being here. He loves being able to thrive in that position. And he got the first goal within five minutes yesterday to, to kind of warrant that love and respect. Now, here's something amusing. The terrible transfer window of the summer of 2021. Remember that? Mm. Last Sorensen signed. Mm -hmm. Ted Bishop signed. So, assistant goal yesterday. And Hakeem Adelican signed as well. Just shows, just goes to show sometimes it pays, doesn't it, to hold fire <laughs> on a transfer window. Late bloomers aren't just, you know, we, we don't just use that term when we're talking about sort of youth prospects. Sometimes signings may take a season or two to, to bed in and properly sort of take their opportunity. And that's what all of those players are now doing. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, that goal killed the game straight off mm. because I, I, I didn't see Cheltenham scoring. And that's not just because they hadn't scored, but it's because they don't look like they've got anybody capable of scoring. I know um, Rob Street is a player who I think will develop over time, but I think at the moment he's struggling to prove he's a league one centre forward. I like Aidan Keener. That what did they come to us in like a 5-3-2 at first or a 4-4-2 or whatever. So they had two up top early doors. And it just, it just didn't work, did it, for him? And 21 minutes, two different players tee up last Sorensen. Ethan Hamilton, as you already mentioned. Rico Hackett, who I thought had a decent game up until probably early in the second half when he tired. Last finishes and 2-0, and game done and dusted. We should have gone home. Yeah, the thing is, is I know that some people, as soon as we scored the second one, it doesn't go and get five or six. I was the same. I kind of joked with Chris at half-time that... This is this, this could be a big scoreline, but then obviously, you know, we'll talk about the management of the game later. But 
getting two goals so early on against a team like Cheltenham is exactly what we needed. And yeah, again, Sonnenson finding himself in a good position took his chance well. And that's something that he's obviously got such a confidence about him. The whole team always have such a good confidence. It, it's me mentioning it this time, not you, so I'm sure we don't need a klaxon. But to be able to go out there without a striker and still be able to create really solid opportunities where effectively all the person in, in the box, in this case, last time I said, needs to do is plant his foot and plant the ball straight into the straight into the net. And we're not having to rely on single pieces of magic like we've maybe had to worry, maybe worried about we're going to have to. But it's the fact that we're still able to have such wonderful link-up play, some really nice pieces of football. And that's what the second goal was, just like the first. And again, Sorensen took his opportunity. Yeah, he did. And obviously Mark Kennedy picked up in his post-match interview that they then changed it. They brought off Keener. I I was quite surprised, actually, because I thought if they were going to score, I actually quite like the look of Keener. So I think he's on, tidy on the ball. On that, obviously, I know you said that the... They're starting like a five three two four four. I believe it was like a four one two one two kind of diamond shape with the a front three that was more of a obviously like you say a front two with one in behind. I think that was kind of more the idea. Which then we just played switch balls for those first 25, 35 minutes, or I think it was thirty five minutes that Keener came off, and they changed shape. So we just played switch balls and utilised the width, which is obviously why Last Sorensen just had so much space in both of those opportunities. Yeah, so they took Keener off and brought Williams on. I think Williams slotted in at right wing back, pushed mm. Gorn Long to right centre back, um, and and so it it was almost I think like a flat back four in the in the first instance. Yeah. And look, I don't like Joey Barton, but one thing he said last season in a in a press conference was if you're playing four at the back, you're you're going to get left behind these days. And when they went to the five at the back, that was more the Cheltenham that I watched a large portion of against Portsmouth when they drew nil nil. Is that they looked much more, um, much more solid, much more complete. You know, they've, they've not got bad players, but they're, they're poorly organised and they're not, they're not on that show in League One standard. And I thought once we got two 0 up, Mark Kennedy again in his post match interview was very keen to, to kind of shut Michael Horton down and said it might have looked like we never got out of second gear, but trust me, we did. Mm. But there was some hugely tired legs even in the first half. I mean, Hakiba Delican, and we mention it every week. He hasn't had a preseason. He's kind of come in from almost like a standing start. He's being asked to play 90 minutes here, 80 minutes there in an unfamiliar position. I think actually the Hacks story is masking the fact that he's doing all right there. Um, mm. But what I liked about him yesterday, and it's, it's, it's a fundamental of football that often gets really missed. He's always looking to play it simple. You play the ball into Hacks' feet. All he wants to do is play it the way that he's facing and I, I, I kind of like that because he knows he's a square peg in a round hole. He knows he's not a particularly a centre forward. So he keeps it nice and simple. And I, I felt as an attacking presence, okay, you know, he had the goal disallowed. And in the first half, he had a decent shot blocked as well, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, I think I think every every game we need to take the hat off and just say, look, fair play to Hacks because you know he's definitely putting himself in the shop window, isn't he? Yeah, and it, it's funny you mention that because it's something I spoke about with somebody yesterday and the fact that he is really putting himself in the shop window. And it's a perfect opportunity for both hacks. It's a great opportunity for the club, uh, for anybody who then would like to sign him in January or or next summer on a, on a free if, if he is out of contract at the end of this summer, which I believe he will be. Yeah, at the end of the day, him keeping it simple is exactly what he needs to do, exactly what he's doing well. 
it's sometimes easy for a player who puts himself in the shot window to, to try and be too flamboyant, try and have too much flair on the ball, try and do things that make you stand out. But actually being a consistent seven or eight out of 10 every game that you're playing in, that's what makes you stand out overall. Um, and, and that's, at the end of the day, what he's doing, and he's doing really well. Yeah, he is. So we moved into the second half. Now, um, it's really hard to say anything about the second half because RXG in the second half was 0 0.08. Mm. Uh, and I think the only effort that we had was uh, an Adam Jackson header that bounced just wide. And it was close, to be yeah. fair. But that misses more than nine times out of ten. Their XG was 0 0.14. So actually adding those together, what, 0 point, or let, let's say 0 0.25. So actually you could play, what, four halves of football and still arguably not get a goal. I mean, it was, when I'm saying it was dour, it was managed, I think, to be that way a mm. little bit. You know, they, they kind of blocked us out. The second half was the game I expected from the start. When I said nil-nil, dour game, that's what I expected. Them to match us, kind of close us down, not not give us the, the chance to break them down uh, and for us to be relying on set pieces and bits and bobs. Really hard to pick anything out, isn't it, in terms of action from the second half? Uh, in terms of in terms of chances and things like that, there, there really wasn't anything in the second half. Um, and yet, to be fair, it might not be the most enjoyable. I ended up sat there organising with a friend which pub we were going to end up going into after the game for a couple of pints rather than really taking that much interest into the second half itself. And we sort of knew at half-time and when coming out, uh, to be fair, we don't need to do anything. They need to do something. They didn't seem to want to do anything. So it was kind of just a, a game of we kind of keep ball. Let's just not push our players too hard. We've got a game on Tuesday. We've got a game on Saturday. Both away games, you know, Tuesday night away in London. It's going to be a long week for the squad. There's no need for us to go pushing for something that we've actually already got in the three points. Um, and uh, to be fair, I felt the three points were in the bag, like you say, as soon as that second goal went in. So going into the second half, we didn't need to do anything. We didn't do anything. It's a bit of a boring game, boring second half anyway. But that was fine. I wasn't, I wasn't annoyed with that. I don't really think anybody was annoyed with that. The crowd kept on singing. They kept on a good bit of atmosphere. Um, and yeah, there was there was one or two things that were live livening up the match, but the actual football wasn't it. So let's move on to that, shall we? <laughs> ben Atkinson. Now, I'm going to defend Ben Atkinson. He was the match day referee by for those that yep. don't know. Um, you might have heard him called his other his other name, something um Lanker, Planker. I'm not sure. I couldn't quite catch it, but that was the that was what other people were calling him. Mm. I'm gonna defend him to a degree. Okay, because so am I. Oh, what are you like, Chris? I mean, we disagree with each other. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to defend him universally across the board because I think he got. He was too inconsistent uh, in what he was doing. He booked Adam Jackson for a foul that was barely a foul, then something similar the other end. He let go. It, I've watched it back. Adam Jackson touches the ball as he touches okay. the player as well. I, I not, didn't I, from the eye follow angle that I watched it back on this morning. I didn't think he had got the ball. And so, I thought it was a definite yellow, but there we go. See, disagreement, Charlie he's, B. He's through. He's effectively through on goal, and I know it's Chapman. They wouldn't have scored anyway. But he's effectively through on goal if Adam Jackson doesn't make that challenge. So if he didn't get the ball, park. yes, yeah. But uh, I'm not saying Adam Jackson was the last man. But if uh, was it was it Rob Street 
Was that Aiden King? Possibly. One of the two. One of the two, anyway. I feel like if they'd have gotten through, they'd have had an almost one-on-one with the keeper. So I think it's if if the referee gives a foul there, he has to give a yellow for me. Okay. So you're defending the referee beyond me. Uh, yeah. Um, Ted Bishop's yellow. Ted Bishop deserved his yellow. And yeah. I know that people say it's baffling, but th- we were told at the beginning of the season that the referees were going to be booking people for things like imaginary cards, things like complaining. We saw it with Joe Garner the other week where he was booked against Carlisle. Um, we saw it with Ben House on the first game of the season. So for me, Ted's booking is Ted's fault. Yeah, I, I, there's no there's no denying that. No matter what you think about the referee's decision, Ted Bishop can't do what he's done. It's as simple as that. Um there is also one, like there's there's a couple, and it kind of comes back to your comment on inconsistency, and I very much agree. There was a couple of things earlier on in the half. Um, there was one one of our defenders, and I can't remember who it was, but he basically shoved over their attacker, and it was it was a foul, fair enough. But then, literally thirty seconds later, their defender did the exact same thing to ours, and no foul at all, and it's just those blatant inconsistencies that just seemed hard to swallow. And Hacks was manhandled on a couple of occasions and right in yeah. front of the referee as well, right in front of the linesman rather. But that's where I'm going to come, or the the assistant referee, sorry. That's where I'm going to now defend the referee because there was a lot of talk about the booking for Mark Kennedy and the booking for their reserve keeper, I think it was, for dry in the pool. Um, but I'm told that both of those bookings came on the advice of the fourth official. So there was somebody sat in a St Andrews stand who heard Mark Kennedy and they think he said something like he's taking the piss when he did made a certain decision, which is what's got Mark booked. Now, I don't, I don't know that. I'm not saying he, he definitely did swear, but something along those lines, he said to the fourth official. So he's been booked for what he said to the fourth official. Now the referee hasn't heard that. So he's only going on the advice mm-hmm. he's being given. And I'm told that the other book in the yellow card for drying the ball, well, it's a ridiculous booking what possesses the FA to go, do you know what we're going to clamp down on this year? Unfortunately, it's kind of the same with Ted Bishop. The rules came in in the summer. The rule is the rule. He had a towel tucked into his sort of tracksuit bottoms, pulled the towel out and and wiped the wiped the ball with it for, for their throwing. It is a yellow card. It unfortunately can't really be argued with, I don't think. And all, But the one thing that was weird about that one was the fact that when I watched it back, the referee saw it blatantly happen then let the throw-in be taken, turned around, looked at him again, so he remembered exactly which substitute it was, then let the whole game go on until another throw-in to then call it back and give the yellow, which really confused me. If you see it happening, why don't you just give the yellow there and there? Good point. And then, obviously, there was the incident with the free kick, yes. the Joven. Now, looking from a Cheltenham point of view, right? first of all, that's not a free kick no. on Joven. He doesn't, even t- he doesn't even touch him. Joven's just not a free him. kick. Jack Burrows is not offside. No. Nope. Yep. Jack Burrows is not offside when the ball goes through. He's he's level as well. Uh, to pull it back, it's in our favour. We were debating the law and we still don't know. Is the fact that he's played advantage but Burrows is then offside, does that counteract the advantage or is the offside the advantage being... Pl- I'm not really sure how it works. Um, and then he books Ethan Hamilton. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Now, again, because 
obviously referees aren't mic'd up and we can't hear exactly what's being said. Ethan Hamilton will have likely got a yellow card for saying something to the ref, which, again, as a, as a player, as frustrated as you are, you can't get. And also, if he has got a yellow for moaning, what's he actually moaning about in the fact that we've got a free kick and they've got a yellow card they shouldn't have got? I can, and I, Apart from the offside, and I, I, I agree. With, I can answer this. Well, I've watched it. I've watched it back, and mm-hmm. he's moaning because Ethan Hamilton puts the ball down. The referee uh, puts a white line on the pitch, and the ball is two feet in front of it. And Ethan Hamilton takes the kick quickly. The referee then pulls it back and says, "No, it's not from there. It's here." So Ethan Hamilton says something as he walks away, and the ref takes the card out. But I've watched right. the card that he gave to Ethan Arahan as well. And on both occasions, he's just, he's just like he's like a mother. You know, like if you're in a shop and, and there's a kid yapping off, yapping off, yapping off, and he says something that the mother just goes, right, that's it, you. And he's almost like that. He's like, I've heard something. I am going to hand out a yellow card. I just, yeah. I, he was a dentist, and um, I think he caused quite a few of us uh, pain. But he didn't affect the game, and no. the majority of his decisions were... The, the decisions that people are angry about were right. It was the inconsistency that was wrong. Yeah, 100%. Um, like I say, it was, it was the big decisions that everybody got sort of their backs up against that actually were were probably the right choices in a lot of the cases. But then, like I say, it was just a blatant inconsistency. Um, and it was consistently inconsistent throughout the full 90 minutes as well. It wasn't just a couple. It wasn't just... A couple of for us, it was a couple against us as well. Uh, yeah, just, just really, really poor refereeing standard yesterday. I think the one thing you would have got you've got to say is it was his biggest game so far. He only came out of the National League last season. And I think like everybody, when you first do a job, you do it to a certain standard, and then when you get into the run of things, things alter and change. You listen to the first ten episodes we did of the podcast, it'd be very different to now. So yeah. referees do have to go through this. Um and whether he, when I say he'll learn from his, because maybe he won't, maybe, but there will be things that happen when you're a referee that you look back on and go, well, maybe I might have handled that differently, as there would be if you're a manager and a player. So, you know, I, I've always been one to condemn referees. And if you then see a name and go, oh, it's not that referee again, he's awful. Whereas, you know, actually, probably he, that's not always, always the case. So, do you think we should move on from Cheltenham? Yeah, I don't really think there's much else in there, actually. Although I, I say that, I would just like to make a point, and it, it's a point I made before the Carlisle game, and it's a point I'm going to make again, because we've now had four home league matches. We have had two, three wins, one draw. We've had a game against a relegated side, a game against a promoted side, a game against a team that we were able to beat at home, and a game against a team that we weren't able to beat at home last season. That's four teams from effectively across the spectrum, and we've managed to score, what is it, nine goals, only concede one, you know, three wins, one draw, still unbeaten. We are in a very, very good situation when you take all of that into consideration. And also, bear in mind, this time next week, we'll have played seven away games compared to four home games. I mean, that's a really weighted start. And okay, we had the Oxford game cancelled, which is kind of unfortunate, but... um, yeah, our home form was our strength last season. I think our home form will be our strength again this season. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we are still tucked in 10th, 12th in a week's time, 
um, I'll be really impressed. So, but we're going to cover Lake Norin very soon. <clears throat> First of all, shall we go to a uh, quick advert break? Happy to report that we didn't have gambling ads last week. So hopefully that's going to be the same again. Um, but uh, yeah, let's have a look to see what our sponsors have got to say. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Okay, brilliant. Um, so another little bit of news we've really got to talk about before we go on to Lake Norian is Jack Vale. Um, for those who have not heard, uh, Jack was you with us last Monday, unfortunately on Sunday in a behind-the-closed-doors behind the game for Blackburn. He suffered a minor strain, um, which will rule him out for a period. So quite a lot of ambiguity around that. Um, but it means that, you know, we've got no strikers, Claxon, Claxon. Uh, that's now not going to be resolved quite as quickly as we had hoped. Not great news, Charlie. No, it isn't. We were kind of waiting out for those couple of weeks with no striker at all, uh, kind of waiting for Jack Vale to come back. And unfortunately now there's there's no full indication on when he's coming back. But Kennedy seemed a little bit kind of disappointed and downhearted about it. So there is a chance that... We may even see Tyler Walker back before Jack Vale at this rate, which really wouldn't be... Well, I mean, it would be good in the fact that we'd get Tyler Walker back, but it wouldn't be good in the fact that Jack Vale seems to be a lot longer than what we were originally hoping. Yeah, and I mean, just as a disclaimer, we say a lot longer, we don't we don't actually know no, that. It no. could be a matter of, of weeks or not. Uh, but given that um, Super Fred, as they're calling him at Walsall, scored again yesterday... I think the chances of Freddie being recalled in January are probably increasing by the day. Uh, and the point that I, I think I've made for this before is, you know, if we see Ben House and Tyler Walker as our starting strikers, even though they're suffering from injury this season, that's something that you would imagine will still be the case going forward. So we're not going to want to go and buy a striker in January. So therefore, the two choices available to us are loan a striker, which is possible given that you know, we haven't mm-hmm. taken up all our loan places, or recall Fred. Um I do wonder if uh, if he carries on doing what he's doing there and has got seven, eight, nine goals by the time we get to January. It's going to be pretty hard to make a case for leaving him there, isn't it? Yeah. At the end of the day, we're not going to go out and get a, a free agent striker, for example, and go get two two grand a week or whatever on some free agent striker. And that's best case scenario, being someone that cheap. We're not going to do that if we can just recall Freddie Draper. So at the end of the day, what... We'd all be sat there in January saying, well, why don't we just sign this striker who's scored 10 goals in League Two and is young and all of this. He could be a good project player for us. We'd all be saying that if he wasn't ours. So as much as for his development, it's probably best to keep him there. 
actually, if he comes back here, he's, he's had a good loan spell there. If he comes back here and is able to get a solid amount of minutes, that's probably just as good for his development, if not better. Of course, Jack Moylan is coming in as well, who can play he through is. the middle. So that'll yes. be um, that'll be interesting. And obviously, it was and, nice to see Danny Mandroyu back yesterday as well. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also a very good chance that by January, you know, Tyler Walker was called eight weeks. That was the middle of September. So there's a very good chance he's back by January. If we've got two strikers in Tyler Walker, Jack Moylan, uh, obviously Mandroyu, Delican, potentially if he's still kind of here at the end of January, can all play through the middle. Is there then the need to bring back Freddie Draper to be third choice on the bench? Because that's not that's ideally what we want to avoid. So it'll be a last resort to bring him back, but it very much might happen at this rate. Obviously, we have been signing strikers on loan in January. Um, Luke plans last year, the year before, we brought in John Marquis, we brought in Liam Cullen on loan. Mm -hmm. So it's not unusual for us to bring forward players in Morgan Whitaker, not Morgan Whitaker, Morgan Rogers rather. Um, a couple of seasons before that, who was technically a forward player as well. So, yeah, I, I can see us dipping into the low market, but we'll we'll see. I mean, who knows, Jack Vale? If it's a, if it's a minor strain, it might be November, it might be something like that. But we could get him back as well. So then there might not be a need to recall Freddie Draper. But unfortunately, injuries are the one unknown. So what we do know is that on Tuesday evening we will be going back to Brisbane Road. Um, it's been or whatever they call it now, the Matchroom Stadium, what used to be. I don't know what it's called these days. I'm assuming you're going to London. I certainly am, yeah, travelling travelling down there and then meeting up with our very own Ben for the game, actually. Ben's going to be there. Yeah, because he's, well, I hope so, because he's given me a lift back up to Nottingham after the match. Um, uh, he's, okay. he's coming back from Disneyland on uh, Tuesday morning, early afternoon, so he's heading to the game. Cool, very good. And then we will be... It will be Ben on the podcast on uh, Thursday with uh, Chris talking about the game. But talking ahead of the game, there's been somebody else on the podcast. Who did you chat to, Mr. B? It has. So earlier on today, I had a chat with Steve from Orient Outlook. Kind of preview ahead to choosing out the match. And here's what he had to say. Look, I guess kind of the starting point is 10 games in. It's actually quite quite a good opportunity to be able to speak with you guys now. You know, t- ten like I said, ten games in. How are you feeling? Sat in what sixteenth place, eleven points. Happy with where you are, or? Yeah, I mean, sixteenth place isn't bad so far. The performances have been there or thereabouts, pretty decent. I think mm-hmm. apart from two games of the ten where Portsmouth came to us and just looked the league above us, although we had our chances, yeah. but they beat us four 0 Apart from the Portsmouth game, really. And apart from the Stevenage game, which was like men against boys to a certain extent, mm. uh, apart from that, I wouldn't say we've been massively outclassed or outplayed in any of our games. So, you know, like to be higher than 16th, ultimately, I thought we were coming off the back of a really good season, obviously winning mm. the championship in League Two. But League One is, is a different kettle of fish altogether to League Two. So it's a big, big step up. There's been a lot of turnover at the club. I think we've lost our most two influential players from last season in Paul uh-huh. Smith at QPR and once Vigaru, who's at Burnley and shamefully can't even get in their squad for a know, league cup game, which is a real shame because he's such a good goalkeeper. Um, but when you look at, again, all the you know ingoings and outgoings, including Max Sanders, who's obviously come from your yeah. last season, um, 16, yeah, I think Richie Wellens would like to be a little bit higher, but I think ultimately, I think he'll be happy-ish with where we are, I think. Yeah. 
you know, having watched most of the games this season, we know where we need to improve. I think up front is a massive opportunity for us to mm. get the ball in and out more times. We haven't actually scored more than two games, I think, in a game more than twice this season. So no. that's been quite disappointing. I think Joe Pickett came to the club with quite high expectations and hasn't quite delivered yet. So defence is starting to look better. I think the shape is up from the defence, but they've acclimatised well into mm-hmm. League One. We seem to have learned how to defend better and play better in League One. It's now just putting the ball in the net when we're on top and making teams get punished when we're playing. Yeah. So we'll, we'll touch on a few of those kind of players that you've mentioned in, in a little bit. But one thing I... I mean, it's really difficult when you're asking this kind of 10 games in because it's very similar to the question I just asked. But one thing I like to have a look at is just obviously your most recent form. And in your last five games, you know, two two wins, two losses and a draw. Is that kind of symbolic of the fact that you're just really struggling to get any kind of, sort of consistency going? Or is it purely kind of the teams that you're playing at certain times early on, you know? Well, is, is it symbolic of the fact that you can't really put a consistent one together or... Uh, I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, you look at, I guess if you look at those games as a selective five, you go, right, Stevenage Mm. at home 3-0, I mean, that was a bad defeat, but that was a very young team against a team of men who kind of bullied us off the ball. And I think for the first time, it's obviously willing to react to that and make some changes and bring some experience back in the team. He brought Darren Prattley back, you know, our 38-year-old captain. He came back into the team. Omar Beckles, who had been dropped his poor form, who's a really experienced player, he came back mm. in and team. He kind of manned the team up a bit. And then following that, we went to Exeter, where no one expected us to get anything to Exeter at that point. Yeah. We're top of the league. And we ended up getting a last-minute winner. Pickett scored his first goal in that game. And, you know, you can't beat a last-minute winner. So you walk away from that <laughs> and everyone's jubilated and you beat the team at the top of the league. So we came away from that going, all right, you know, maybe this is the start of a turnaround. Then went to Peterborough and we got the one-all draw against Peterborough. And I think we all would have taken that, you know, mm. uh, that's a difficult place to go in League One and come away with a point. We had for that. They built on that last week against Shrewsbury, and that was probably the first time the season where it wasn't the best line performance, but they battled uh-huh. and they grafted. And to be honest, a team more clinical than Shrewsbury probably would have scored against us. But Solbury and Goal made some big, big saves. We got the goal and just kind of held on. And then yesterday, we went into that game really confident, seven points from the last nine against the Fleetwood team who hadn't won a game this season, but obviously may have had a new manager bounce, but you go there mm-hmm. thinking, all right, if you win this, then we'll be somewhere around 13th, 12th, and then the impetus really starts to look upwards, but ultimately we lost that game 1-0, but we did have chances in that game, you just think, had we gone ahead early, because we had like, some big chances within the first 10 minutes, had we capitalised on that, we'd be sitting here today going, all right, well, we're 12th, we're looking up yeah. with one or two more wins, and you're looking at almost reaching, you know, around the playoff area, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, look at those five games, you go, yeah, it's just, it's so frustrating because the quality is there in the squad, but we just need to be more clinical up front, and I guess to a certain extent at the back as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it's, it is fine margins. If yesterday you did capitalise on those early chances, suddenly, uh, you know, what, what whereabouts would you be? You'd be up near, kind of, up near Derby and Cambridge, up in sort of 12th, 13th. Yeah, and yeah. Like you say, only then a point behind Lincoln. So, it is, it is very much fine margins. We're, we're talking about it a lot on our podcast at the minute because we've had, before yesterday, we had a little bit of a, a few results that didn't go our way, but the performances were still there. Mm. Um, and and that's, that's all you need at this early stage of the season. You know, obviously, yes, you want points on the board, but actually, as long as you're showing some really good promise in your performances, that 
you know, at the end of the day, that is sometimes just as just as good. Um, right, let's let's pick up on a couple of those players. And so you've you've mentioned plenty. Now, first one I'd like to pick up on is actually uh, your goalkeeper, Solbrin. Now, like you say, look, uh, Vigoro moved on in the summer. I felt it really unfortunate for him moving on to Burnley to then, you know, them, them sign Trafford for almost twenty million a week after, and yeah, it, it's a really unfortunate situation that one. But Solbrin, you brought him. He was linked with us quite heavily in the summer. Uh, I do believe we were we were after him at certain points. So I guess, I guess the question is: Is are you are you happy with him as a goalkeeper? Is he someone that's performed well for you? Maybe not quite up to the standard of Vigoro, but then that's it's hard to judge him based on that. Um, are you are you quite pleased with him? Yeah, I mean he's done well so far. He started the first league game against Charlton and done well in that. And then he got injured, actually. So he missed oh, like, right. four games early on and only came back uh, against Cambridge, actually. So he missed okay. three league games early on. And at that point, you could really see the team missed him. And no disrespect, we brought in two keepers in the summer. The other mm. uh, keeper was Sam Howes, who came in from non-league. And he struggled. Right. You could tell the defence struggled as well. So, Bryn, yeah, Bryn's got the makings of a very good goalkeeper. Obviously, he was at League 2 last season with Swindon. And I think mm-hmm. the stats spoke for themselves in League 2. This season, yeah, he's done all right. You look at the goals we've conceded and you'd say not many have been down to him. And he made, he's made some big, big saves. He made a massive save last week early on against Shrewsbury uh, and pretty much has done what he's needed to do. Distribution's been decent. Mm-hmm. Um, claiming the ball in the box has been decent. I mean, Vigoru, massive shoes to fall right. It was our keeper for three and a half years. Yeah. His clean sheet ratio was ridiculous. Um, but I'd say most of those fans would be really happy with Solbrin, who ultimately, I think, in my eyes, will be Borough's first choice in the next three to four years if he keeps on the trajectory that he's yeah. on. Hi, I'm Lars Sorensen. You're listening to the Stacey West podcast. Brilliant. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Steve. Um, what was your overriding take then from that? I mean, obviously, because there's a full version of that available on YouTube as well, isn't there? So, but what, what was your take on on where they are at the moment? Yeah. So ultimately, you know, they are sat lower mid table. Not that the so not that the table really means much, but overall, they're reasonably happy with their with their performances and their results. They've had a couple of tough losses to take, as Steve mentioned against uh, Stevenage and such, but. And yesterday, even against Fleetwood, he was very, very disappointed. Said the first 20, 30 minutes of the game, they, you know, really had a great chance to go out and get a couple of goals, and unfortunately didn't take their opportunities, and then ended up losing one nil and giving Fleetwood their first win of the season. But ultimately, they're happy. They're in a good place. Um, there's a couple of players that they've got that don't really seem to fit the system. Uh, Piggott, for example, is a kind of a big name marquee signing that they've brought in. And he doesn't really fit the way that Richie Wellens wants to play. They want more of a pressing form, more of a runner at the front. Uh, so it's going to be a really interesting game. Now, there's one key takeaway, and this sort of came a little bit later on in the conversation. So make sure to sort of check the whole thing out on YouTube. But one big key takeaway was the fact that they they get worried if a team are able to dominate and bypass their midfield. So I then had the conversation with Steve saying, well, realistically, and, and this is, I genuinely do not think this is being biased, but we have one of, if not the best midfield partnership in the league, in both the Ethans. Their ability both on and off the ball is second and on. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I say, genuinely fantastic. So if we can dominate that midfield game, the fact that they also had Ethan Galbraith, who's one of their uh, 
central midfielders he's suspended for the game. He went off in the 96th minute of yesterday's game against Fleetwood. So if we can dominate that midfield and bypass it and play some really good forward balls through the likes of Sean Rowan again, like he did on Saturday, then we've got a really, really good opportunity to go out there and get a couple of goals. Yeah, so what, I mean, we'll match them in a in a kind of a 3-4-3, three, three, one would expect their mm-hmm. central midfield pairing likely to be um, Darren Prattley, who was at Charlton, I believe, um, yeah. and El Mizuni. I, I really like him, actually, he's, uh, from Ipswich Town. I think, did you say he's on loan there? Still, yeah, I didn't yeah, know whether it was yeah. a permanent move or not. The, the two players I find really interesting, and they're playing a, a kind of wing-back for them or, or on the outside, is... Theo Archibald on the right, who we know about. Now, I really rated Theo when he was with us, and I, I don't know what happened. He didn't really seem to get a fair crack of the whip um, at all. I thought he was a, a, a complete footballer, and he had a good season for them last season. Um, and Jordan Graham is there. Now, Jordan Graham, obviously, was at Gillingham. He was superb for Gillingham. We were linked with him. He signed for Birmingham. It's a real surprise. And actually, if you think about then, you know, Joe Piggott up top, who... Again, he's a player, I think, at this level. He's, he's a good striker at this level if you get the right service into him. He's superb for Wimbledon. Sol Brin in goal is, is really highly rated at Middlesbrough. Uh, they've got a decent squad, haven't they? They, they? they should easily have enough to be staying out of the bottom sort of six or seven, if, and especially under Richie Wellens as well, who's a, a manager who's kind of been there and done it and, and had some success. Yeah, absolutely. When you see that team on paper and then you think back to Cheltenham, Though both of those teams don't see, aren't going to be in the same kind of six to eight places in the league. Leighton Orient will stay up reasonably comfortably this year. And I, I don't think there's any denying that. That's not just from looking on paper. That's also from having a chat with Steve. They seem really kind of comfortable. You kind of picked up a couple of the players that I very much mentioned. Like you say, Theo Archibald and Jordan Gray are both on those kind of wide, sometimes having to run back and kind of play more of a wing-back kind of role, which is quite of an interesting one. And then actually Sol Brin. Sol Brin was somebody who I specifically made sure to ask Steve about because we were linked with Sol Brin quite a bit in the summer before we brought in Lucas Jensen. He was one of our first kind of rumoured signings. And I kind of wanted to ask the question, how obviously, A, how has he performed? But also, they did have Lawrence Vigero, who's now moved off to Burnley and can't get a game for Burnley, unfortunately, because they then went out and signed James Trafford for 15, 20 million just after. But they seem to be really, really happy with Solbrin. He, he had a little bit of an injury, so missed a few league matches, but on the whole, has been really, really good. He said the goals they've conceded haven't been down to him, um, which is, again, kind of a real positive for them. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be... I think it's going to be a bit of a tough defence to try and break down, but I think there's definitely going to be the opportunities there for us to play the ball through the thirds. And that's something I really want us to do a little bit more. Like, you know, we've got, we know we've got the ability on the ball, the passing range ability. And obviously we've already mentioned Sean Rowan, both the Ethans and such. So if we're able to get that ball forward a little bit more on the floor as well, and not just kind of hoofing it, which we don't do, not really. So if we're able to kind of do that more, I don't see any reason why they won't or that why they will keep a clean sheet on Tuesday night. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. It's the midfield battle, really, isn't it? In this one, mm. whoever comes out on top of that. Um, although, again, we don't have any strikers, so if we come out on top of the midfield battle, then we've still got a, a, a challenge, a challenge up ahead. I looked at some of Lake Orient stats, and what really surprises me is 
they're a team of, it's almost like contradictions in that you know, they lost 1-0 to Fleetwood but their XG was 1.52 to Fleetwood 0.94 so they were the better side they beat Shrewsbury 1-0 but their XG was 0.94 to Shrewsbury's 1.87 so Shrewsbury were arguably creating the better chances they drew one all with Peterborough their XG was 0.36 so, you know, arguably should probably have lost to Peterborough. But then Exeter, in the Exeter City 2-1, Exeter have had a, mm-hmm. you know, a, so, a solid, solid season. So, Orient, for me, have got shades of kind of a Bristol Rovers type team that they've come up and they're going to tuck themselves in and they're going to be, you know, they're, they're a decent sized club and they're back at this level for the first time in a while after obviously mm-hmm. being out of the football league and everything. I mean, Orient was always a staple and... When I was growing up, you know, Lincoln Orient was a game we, we often played. Obviously, that was long before Charlie Beeston entered the world. Hence, looking a little confused. Have you ever known us play Leighton Orient? Uh, I've never... I, can, I cannot vividly remember a game between the two of us. And I was born in 2003, just to make you feel oh, right. old. Yeah, so, so you would have been... I'm sure you would have I been. You would have been one when Gary Taylor Fletcher. Um, we signed Gary Taylor Fletcher, and he went to Orient and scored a phenomenal goal. The last time we played them was 2006 or 2005. Last time we went to Brisbane Road, Richard Butcher scored and Gary Alexander, um, and we had a front two. And this, anyone listening of a certain age, don't shudder at this. Ollie Ryan and Gary Birch started up front for us in that game. With Marvin Robinson, Mahatma Malango, Derek Asamoah, and Francis Green on the bench. How's just sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. How is that for a bench? So our bench that day was Jeff Hughes, Francis Green, Derek Asamoah, Mahatma Malongo, and Marvin Robinson. That's four strikers and a winger on the bench. <laughs> what sort of a bench is that? We, we don't even get one of them anymore. <laughs> My God. And, and who puts Marvin Robinson, Derek Asamoah, Francis Green and Mahatma Longo on the bench and starts Ollie Ryan? It's, oh, that's, that's crazy. In fact, the last three games between Lincoln and Leighton Orient have all been 1-1. Um, and prior to that, they beat us 4-3. In fact, we haven't beaten Orient in ages. 2-0, 2004, when Gary yeah. Taylor Fletcher got his brace. Well, but, it's, as you'll it's see, rather, it's rather interesting that the last three games between us... Is- have all been one-all draws because that's also what Steve predicted that this game was going to be. Do you know what? I wouldn't be surprised at all. I wouldn't be I'd surprised snap, at all. I'd snap the hand off. If we if we can go down there and get a point in London, I'd be more than happy. We've got a tough week. And mm. I said to Dad, coming away from the game, if we were to take uh, two points from these two games, I know that sounds like a lack of ambition. But do you know what? I think five points from every three games, and you're going to be yeah. you're going to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season, which was something Keith always always used to love saying, wasn't it? Um, what's that? One point six points per game. You do one point six points per game. You get seventy four points. You're in the playoffs at seventy four points. So yeah, you know. look at the, like you say, it is a very very tough couple of games, and if we can get a bare minimum, if we can get a minimum of two points, up, like, again, I'd be really happy. Um, Especially then, you know, we, we've already spoken about the fact it's been Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, and then we've got a then we've got a Papa John's Trophy game on the tenth of the month, and then uh, Burton, which just might get called off. So if we, the way I see it, if we can just get to Peterborough, keep on picking up a couple of points, then we can hopefully take just a little bit of a break for some of the key players and have a bit of a rest. Yeah, it is. It's a big month, and actually. 
do you know what? It's a relatively kind month. Let's say if Jack Vale is out just for a couple of weeks and mm. okay, we're, we're talking about um, all games are tough, but Orient, Peterborough, Burton, Fleetwood. Yeah, to be fair, Burton, Fleetwood, the the games that maybe you could expect to go into those with um, you know, with a without a striker because we don't have any strikers, um, and perhaps come out with something rather than you know if you were going Bolton, Derby, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I think it's a little bit more challenging. I don't mean that disrespectfully, although I'm sure it comes across that way again. So it is it is a very very busy month as it stands. Obviously, like I said. Burton game just might end up getting postponed, but it is a really, really busy month. I made the graphics for the monthly show and eight matches and trying to fit all of them onto one screen was very, very difficult. Unfortunately, it's kind of just the way it is in, in sort of modern football. And again, the Papa John's trophy game against Wolves under 21s, we're not going to put out a full strength 11 for that, rightly so, because it it's an idea of a, a midweek to kind of rest the players. And then the midweek after is the only midweek break we've got. We've got away at Fleetwood, home Charlton and away at Exeter all in seven days later on in the month. Very, very, very busy October. It often is, in all fairness. Um, but at, at the end of the day, like I say, if we can just get through these couple of games, then I think we can pick up a good amount of points this month. And, you know, we, we spoke a lot over the last few weeks about just making sure that we're kind of resolute, picking up some points here and there. Maybe a late push can be on the cards. But at the minute, we're already looking at the fact that we're sat mid-table in a really comfortable position. We've got a couple of games that, again, we just might be able to get some good points from. We've got a really heavily weighted away sort of record at the minute in terms of the number of games we've played compared to our home record. Our home record, we're unbeaten. Three wins, one, one draw. So... Everything is pointing to the fact that we're in a really, really good position at the minute. Yeah, yeah, I can't disagree with that. Um, I think it, it, it's a fair point. I didn't come away from yesterday's game unhappy. I took positives from all of the defeats. I thought at Derby we were organised with it being our second string. I thought, um, I thought the God, the other defeat, um, Portsmouth. Portsmouth. I, I thought that, yeah, I thought that we we played well against Portsmouth. We got the early goal. I thought. Um, the cup game against West Ham, we did ourselves proud. Suchek scores against us, and then he goes and scores in the Premier League the, you know, on the next Saturday. So, um, and to come out of that little spell and to kind of shrug off those defeats by with a win, and it does not a comprehensive win, but a, a hard fought win and a win that we never looked like getting anything but a win as soon as we'd scored the opening goal, which was Saturday's game. It's just a nice way to come out of it. But like you say, this is now really the. Is where the season we we get down to it now. Like, I always break the season down in my head, and I said to Dad leaving the game the other day. Now's when I look at the league table. You're ten games in. You can look at the league table now, and you will get an overall impression of who the strugglers and the successful teams are going to be. Mm -hmm. Oxford, I called it at the beginning of the season. They're going to be promotion candidates. Portsmouth are doing really well. Those two teams are first and second now. They'll be top six by the end of the season. And when you look at the bottom of the table, you've got Cheltenham down there. You've got, um, I think, Fleetwood down there. It, those two teams will be in the bottom six by the at the end of the season. That's that's my prediction for for the two of them. You you you, you tend to a, get a, a Fleetwood impression. not getting promoted. Uh, did you enjoy being a presenter on the Stacey West podcast? Charlie? <laughs> Have you enjoyed your short, brief run on? Are they the are they, are they susceptible to losing games by any chance? Ah, welcome back. It's nice to have you back, Charlie. <laughs> after, after briefly going out there, they are susceptible to losing games, aren't they? 
Um, and you know what's really bizarre is that Ben was absolutely ripped for that. But the point that he, he named Fleetwood as relegation candidates, he got ripped for it. And here I am now going, they're relegation candidates when I was the one that put them as promotion yeah. candidates. So do you know what I mean? Some, a and that's why Ben's right. coming back on Thursday. No, it's not. He's coming back because he's been whittling about it for weeks. That's why he's coming back. <laughs> no, the intention was always for him to come back. I think he wanted to go away and try and do some of the, the previews, which he'll still be doing as well. So it'd be good to have him back. Um, we just won't get him talking about, I don't know, what League One football, football in general. Don't get him talking about playing wing-backs in a flat-back four because <laughs> he doesn't like that. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. And I know you'll be listening. Unlike my dad, I could say anything about it, but we're 50 minutes in, so that's 35 minutes too long for dad, isn't it? Yeah, but maybe, maybe, because, maybe because I'm not Chris and I haven't spent an hour talking about my tiny chicken, then uh, maybe he's still listening. <laughs> I doubt that very much, Charlie. Yeah, I don't so think do you'll I. get so it. Do I, yeah. <laughs> I'm, his, I'm his son. I've been in his life for 44 years and he'll only listen to 15 minutes before getting bored. So he's not going to listen uh, to you, sadly. Sorry to say. <laughs> so I'm heartbroken. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Not as heartbroken as I was when I heard he'd actually listened. 239 <laughs> episodes and he listens. You've thought, although to be fair, that's a lie because he did come to the live shows. I was just about to ask to be come to the... Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, he came to the live shows because then there's other people talking, isn't there? Like the manager and stuff. So, um, he kind of, yeah, kind of gets away with that a little bit. Well, look, um, here we go. That's that's the week that was. Um, it started phenomenally, uh, with a West Ham performance, although I didn't start there, did it? But, um, carried on into Cheltenham. It was a tough afternoon, fewer fans, but that's it, it's the nitty gritty. Such contrasting games, all of the euphoria and joy of West Ham, and we got nothing. And then just a little bit of a, a chore at times, and we've come away with three points in the clean sheet, and we're up to 10th. So, yep, plenty to look forward to. This was the Stacey West podcast. I'm going to have to go and do a run now because I've signed up for it. Um, and I really, 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 really don't want to because it's hammering it down with rain. Um, Charlie, what are you going to go and do now? Uh, part of me was thinking about going to the gym and then I decided nope so I'll do that tomorrow uh, are you know. a member of a gym? I am okay yep. yeah, well, yeah, I just yeah. couldn't tell that was all do you oh. not go much? <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I've taken a bit of a break in, in the summer I've had a couple of beers or a couple of beers a day no, um, and now I said 1st of October, I'm going to get back into it. I am actually going to get back to running as well. Okay, um, very good. Yes, and I'm going to try and do 60 miles in October. Not Excellent. for any kind of charity or anything like that, but purely because I wanted, I just want to try and get back into it and it's a good kind of target to hit. And that's, you know, you inspired me, guys. Um, well, there we go. I inspired <laughs> you to run. I didn't inspire my dad to listen to the Stacey West podcast. Um, inspirational. There we go, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, whatever you want to classify yourself as the third sex, if that's what you want to do, that's up to you. We're all going to go now. Charlie's going to go and avoid the gym, I'm going to go and avoid running. You've been great. Thank you very much for listening. All that remains to be said is up the imps, up the imps. So, what did you think of the podcast? What did you think? Why? Because you kept going on about food. Yeah, just babbling up, didn't about fucking food. Oh, yeah. Load of shit. <laughs>
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.